This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Hey, we're so glad that you're with us here this morning. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, um, We're in this series called Happily Ever After that we started last week just talking about the dynamics in relationships and how do we have healthy relationships. Specifically, how do we have healthy marriages? But not only in this series are we talking about marriages, but I think that these principles that we're talking about each and every one of these weeks apply to relationships in our workplace, relationships that we have with family members, relationships that we have with friends, maybe dating relationships. And so I don't want you guys to think that this is all just about marriage there is a marriage component to it but there's a lot more to this and so um I just want us to have everybody, because I know some singles are like, why aren't you guys talking to me? And uh, listen, we're going to talk to you. Don't worry. We're going to talk to you, and it's going to be lots of fun. And so uh, I just want to do a quick survey real quick. Speaking of that, um, how many singles do we have out here in the service? Would you guys raise your hand real quick? Singles, like, if you're single, what I I mean by that is the fact that, like, you're not married to somebody. If you're not, not if you're dating, if you're dating somebody, you're still single, okay? So all the singles, raise your hand. Keep them up high. Look around. There's your options, okay? <laughs> there they are. All right, can I, can I get, how many married people we got? How many married people we have in the house? Yeah, married people are all excited because they're married. They get to do stuff that single people shouldn't be doing. So uh, it's kind of cool. We got, a, we got a interesting dynamic here. We got a good, a good uh, it's about 50-50, you know, and a lot of singles, a lot of married people. Um, my wife and I, we've been married for a little over 13 years now, and um, we come from pretty different backgrounds. Uh, anybody come from some pretty different backgrounds than their spouse? Um, like, we grew up completely different. I'm basically kind of an only child, um, and so we grew up in our family because I was an only child. Um, we grew up pretty well-to-do, and so um, because of that, you know, in our home, like everything revolved around me because I was the kid and that was it. And so I got all my parents' attention. I got everything I wanted. It was like instantaneous. Like it was totally uh, child-centered parenting at our house. And so it was all about TJ. And Shayla grew up a little bit different. Shayla's the oldest of six kids. And so they didn't really grow up financially well off, partly because when you have six kids, they're going to make you broke, you know? And so... Um, and so she grew up, you know, having to share everything and, and having to, like, do stuff for her siblings and be nice to them and, and not really only very often getting what she wanted because it was for what's best of the family. And so when we got married, there was, like, a total culture shock that happened because here I was as this completely self-centered, selfish person. Um, and, and here Shayla was this person that was, came from this family where they gave everything and, and it came together. And like, I just expected her to be like there to serve me, just like my family was there to serve me growing up. And, uh, that isn't how it worked in her family. And so she didn't really like the fact that I didn't want to do anything and I wanted her to do everything. And she's like, this is a partnership. And so we had a lot of friction in the beginning. I, or as some people would call it, we fought a lot. Some of you guys can relate. We had, we had some knockdown, drag out fights because you want to know why? Because marriage is hard. Relationships are hard and there is a battle that is always going to come about when you take two different people from two different backgrounds, even two people from the same background and you throw them together and you say, hey, work everything out. It wasn't rainbows and butterflies, I can tell you that. 
I mean, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of suffering um, with some good times as well. And so, uh, I mean, there was just a lot going on, and we just battled and battled and battled for those first couple years of our relationship because we were learning that this wasn't something that we were just going to show up and everything was going to be great, but it was going to take a lot a lot of work. And all those people that are married out there, they know that marriage takes a lot of work, doesn't it? Listen, ladies, if you spent as much time working on your marriage as you did the wedding ceremony, your marriages would be great. But we don't work like that, do we? We plan for a day and not for a lifetime. And, and Jesus had a lot to say about this in Matthew chapter 5. If you guys want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be hanging out there in Ephesians chapter 4 today. And uh, Jesus had some really, really keen insight. You know, uh, we, we read the Bible here. We believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. And Jesus is a master at relationships. And he had a lot to say about relationships and how they apply to our lives. And right here, he's talking to a group of people about the realities of relationships. And in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38 this is what Jesus says he says you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth he's saying he's saying listen I know how you think relationships work because we all think relationships work a certain way and it's this whole idea that listen I'm gonna treat you the way that you treat me and so if you treat me really good I'm gonna treat you really good but if you don't treat me very good you know what I'm gonna do I'm going to treat you like crap. And so like whatever you give to me, that's what you're going to get back in comparison. And he's saying, listen, that's, that's what you've heard there. That's how you've, you thought it would be. And, and this is exactly what we started talking about last week of the fact that we have two imperfect people bringing them together thinking that we're going to get perfection out of it when the reality is, is what we tru truly get most of the time is the two selfish people and we have to break that selfishness out of us because we want what we want and that's what he's talking about here he's saying man you've heard it an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and he goes on to say in verse 39 but i say to you do not resist the one who is evil but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek turn to him the other also and if anyone would sue and take your tunic let him have your cloak as well and if anyone forces you to go one mile go with him two miles Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, listen, do whatever it takes to have a good relationship. Do whatever it takes. Listen, if somebody asks you for a dollar, give them 10. If somebody asks you for their jacket, man, give them your entire wardrobe. If somebody asks to borrow something, just let them go ahead and have that thing because here is the point. We have got to do whatever it takes to make sure that we get past ourselves and have a healthy relationship. We got to do anything. We got to do something. We got to do whatever we can. The problem that most of us have in life is that, you know, when we're talking about our relationships and other people, the thing that we always focus on is the other person and what they're not doing. And, and, and what we do is we say, man, if this person would do this, then this would happen. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what the other person does. You gotta do whatever it takes to make sure that you have a healthy relationship. And it's, it's not about go work on the other person. It's work on the person you can work on, which is yourself. And if you wanna have a healthy relationship, you gotta do everything that you possibly can to make that a reality. He's saying marrieds, do whatever it takes. He's saying single people, do whatever it takes right Right now in your life to prepare for that future marriage. Do whatever it takes. Going on in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies 
and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. I, I don't, you know, this isn't a knock on marriage, but the reality is, is man, the most persecuted people a lot of times are people that are married. Because you know exactly how to hit the other person right in the right spot that just jacks them all up. And a lot of people, you're like, man, I, I pray for my spouse. I'm praying God kill them. That's not really what Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, 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 listen. This is, you shouldn't be praying to go get them. You should be praying, God, help me to see them how you see them. God, help me to, to understand what they're feeling right in this moment. God, help me to have an un understanding of what's going on in their life so I can reach out and do whatever it takes to make this relationship healthy. Help me to get the right understanding in this moment. And he goes on to say in verse 45, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing for others? I love that rap right there, because Jesus just breaks down in a rap, and it just throws down. He says, man, if you only greet your brothers, what are you doing for others? I mean, he's like a fan of Tupac, so... He says, do not even the Gentiles do the same. He's saying, listen, listen, listen. Big deal if you love people who love you back. What are you doing when people aren't necessarily nice back to you? What are you doing in the case when, when it's not working out how you want it to work out? Are you willing to do whatever it takes and love the people when they're not the most lovable to make sure that you're gonna have a healthy relationship? Are you doing whatever it takes to make sure that you're, you're prepared to, to have a healthy relationship? Are you doing whatever it takes to make sure that you're ready, not just for the wedding day, but for your married life? Are you doing whatever it takes to make that happen? And today what I want to do is I want to kind of think and talk about this, this idea uh, that comes straight out of Scripture that I believe that we've got to embrace, which, which comes from this idea of Jesus, of, of doing whatever it takes to make relationships work. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this principle that I believe that the way to have an incredible marriage, the way to have the most incredible possible relationship that you can have is to be dedicated to two things. One is communication. And the second is organization. It's to be dedicated to, to communication and to be dedicated to organization. The reality for a lot of us is, is the way that we organize our lives is we organize our lives around the things that we want for our life. Think about your relationships right now. They're organized based on what other people can do for you, not what you can do for other people. And, they, and your spouse, they organize their life the same way. They organize it based about what you can do for them. And the problem that a lot of us have is that our organization is out of whack because it's all about ourselves and not about the other person. And if we can get our lives organized in the right order, then it's going to set up the opportunity for us to have communication in our lives. But a lot of us, because we're so disorganized and there's so much competition for the number one spots in our lives, the number two spot in our life, that there's no way we can drown out the noise to make sure we're going in the right direction. I mean, you think about life today. We have so much pulling on us. We have kids' ball games that we have to be at. We have work that we have to go in and, and be a part of to make money. And then we gotta, we gotta go and be a part of PTA things. And then we have relationships outside of our family that we gotta, we gotta keep on top of. Then we have in-laws. And, and in-laws are brutal. And they just want more of your time. And you don't want any time with them. And then, then on top of that, like, you have kids and you wanna spend time with them. And then the person that helped you get that kid, your spouse, you know, they want some of your time. 
Facebook.com, and you've got all this stuff on top of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and every other thing that we're live, living our dreams through, looking at other people's lives. we got all this noise going on. And it's constantly competing for the right spot, the organization in our lives of who's number one. And it's so easy to get bombarded by the noise of life. I was at Starbucks this week, and I was studying on Thursday, and I'd gotten there pretty early, and I, I, I have a chair that I always hang out in, and it's in the corner of the, uh, I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want you to show up there and talk to me. And so uh, <laughs> I was hanging out there, and, uh, and, and when I'm studying, I, this is really weird, and it's probably going to turn a whole bunch of you guys off to church, but when I'm studying, like, I put in my headphones, and I, I, man, I just jam out to whatever comes on my iPod. And so, like, I was, I was listening to some Lecrae killer, and if you don't know who Lecrae is, Lecrae is an amazing uh, Christian rapper. And it went from Lecrae killer to, like, Notorious B.I.G. Hypnotize, and, like, dude, like, Notorious— Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your world just hypnotize me. You know, and it just gets you going like you're ready to flow with a message. You're like, Jesus is speaking right now. And, uh, and like, so I'm jamming out, typing, man. And, you know, you just get a good rhythm. You get a little bob of your head, you know. Uh, and so I'm going. And, and, you know, because I'm in my own little world, I've got all this noise going on. i got headphones. i got my focus on my computer. My phone starts ringing. And, and I set my phone up really, really loud so that way I could hear it through the headphones and the paying attention of, of the computer. But the problem was is that I was so ingrained with Biggie that I wasn't hearing my phone call. But what happened is, is that I knew that my phone was ringing because every person in Starbucks turned around and looked at me and just stared at me with that nasty look. You all know the look that I'm talking like, you know, and they gave you that look, and I was like, oh, man. And so I grabbed my phone, and I go, hello? <laughs> I got my earphone still in. Hey, what's up, man? And the guy's like, why are you yelling at me? I'm not yelling at you. Because we got so much noise. And what happens is in our relationships, because we have so much noise, then when we do have an opportunity to communicate, what we end up doing is we end up yelling at the other person, trying to break through all the chaos that's going around all of our life. And we wonder why we're not having healthy communication with our friends. Why, we're wondering why we're not having healthy communication with our family. Wondering why we don't have healthy communication with our kids. We're wondering why we don't have healthy communication with our spouse. And I believe that, that today we're going to look at some principles that if we apply to our lives, I believe that will totally transform the organization in our life, but not only that, but the communication in our life. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at some things that Paul was saying to, to the church there. And, uh, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. And uh, it says this. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And the first thing that I believe that you and I have to do, and Paul says right here, is that you and I, if we're going to have healthy communication with other people, if we're going to have healthy communication with our spouse, we have got to speak the truth. We've got to speak the truth. And listen, a lot of us, we speak the truth just not to our spouse. A lot of us are speaking the truth. And ladies, you're the best at this. You really are. You are unbelievable. Like, you will have an issue with your husband or you'll have an issue with your boyfriend. And instead of going and speaking the truth to them, you'll call up your girlfriends and be like, hey, girl, what's up? Let me tell you what Bobby did today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> High school kids shouldn't know that. 
true, isn't it? That's what we do. And like, I'm pretty sure the Bible said, when you have a problem with your spouse, hurry up and pick up the phone and call your mother. Oh, you guys have done that before. Oh, okay. No, it says, go to the person that you have a problem with. Guys, that means for you, that means you don't need to go, when you have an issue with your wife, you don't go down to the gym and hang out with the single dudes and tell them all about your problem. They ain't going to help you. They haven't had a date in six months, and they've never even touched a girl. So how are they going to help you with your wife? Seriously. Yeah, exactly. Hello. You know exactly. Like, those dudes are not going to help you. We need to speak the truth to the person that needs to hear the truth from us. Like my favorite, and, and I don't know why this is, but, but ladies, you, like you just, like, it, and it happens, I think, in probably every relationship. So I'm just going to say every, this happens in every relationship. You know, guys, we can tell when something's wrong with you. And we'll be like, hey, is something wrong? And your response almost 99.9% of the time is no. A really intuitive guy will go, are you sure? You kind of look angry. Are you sure everything's okay? No, everything's fine. Really? And I'll, I'll ask women, like, why do you do that? Well, oh, I just, I just want him to open up. I like it when he asks, and I just, I just want to like, lead him along. You know what you are? You're an evil, manipulating witch. You guys are still nice. We like you. Um, <laughs> we got to learn to speak the truth. It's so important that we speak the truth. You know, when, when Shayla and I were, were in the beginning of our marriage, um, uh, we, were, we were having a, a, a loud discussion one day. And um, I, you, you don't know what you get yourself into when you get married because I thought, like, I'm an extremely competitive person. Any, anybody out there competitive? Like, like, I like to win everything. I don't care if we're playing dominoes or we're throwing rocks. Like, I want to win no matter what it is. And so um, Shayla and I were, were discussing something loudly, and, um, and Shayla was kicking my butt in this argument like she does most of the time because she's way quicker than I am, and so she can come back with things so much faster than I was, and, and I could see that I was on the verge of losing. And so what I did, we're in the middle of arguing. I don't even know what we're arguing about, but I remember just going, well, well, you don't, you don't throw the laundry in the laundry baskets. And she goes, what, Mr. Leftfield? What, what are you talking, like we're, like, we're not talking about laundry. I'm like, you don't, you don't put the laundry in the laundry baskets, and you don't separate out colors from whites. I remember she just looked at me like, what, what are you talking about? Like, like, you don't do that, and it makes me mad. And she's like, I, I didn't know that that made you mad. Well, it does, and she said, well, if that makes you so mad, I'll, I'll separate out the colors and put them in the laundry basket, uh, you know. It's and here's what happens in a lot of relationships, is that we go into this marriage, and we have these uncommunicated expectations, and we expect our spouse to read our minds. Like, how fair is that? And what we really need to do in those moments is we need to really, instead of just saying, like, man, I wish you would do that, and you're saying that in your mind, or you wish he would do that, you need to go and you need to speak to them and say, hey, here's something that I would really like from you. 
And man, here's the deal. Listen, listen, you, gotta, you have got to get this. In order to speak the truth, we have got to create environments where our wife feels comfortable and vulnerable and free enough that she can come and share with us anything. When she comes to you and she starts sharing how she feels about a situation or something that's happening, what a lot of guys do, they go, that's so stupid, you shouldn't feel that way. And you know what happens right there in that moment? You shut her down emotionally. You shut her down. And, and from that moment on, she feels no willingness to ever open up and share with you. And listen, you might not understand why she feels like that. I don't understand half the feelings that go on. But what I have learned is that I shut up. And I listen and I say, man, I don't understand how you feel. But this is what I do. is like, I, I hate that you feel that way. And I'm going to pray for you. Uh, if, if I made you feel that way, I'm going to try not to talk in that tone. I'm going to try not to say that again in my life. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you don't feel that way. Because I, I hear what you're saying and I understand how you feel. And your feelings... Listen, guys, this is important that you know this. Your wife's feelings, your friend's feelings, those feelings are valid. There's nothing false about a feeling. It's true. Whether you intended for them to feel that way or not, it's still how they feel. We've got to speak the truth. Girls, I hear this all the time. Like, I just want my guy to open up. Listen, if you want your guy to open up, when he does share with you, go, don't, don't go tell everybody about it. You want to see a guy never open up to you again? You go tell his secret that he just told you about what's going on in his life, and he will never open himself back up to you. You got you to gotta speak the truth, but you got to understand where the truth is just for your ears only. And, and men and women, we got to create these environments where we're creating a place that's healthy and safe for us to speak the truth. We got to speak the truth. Single people, you're dating somebody right now, you got to prepare and start creating the environment to speak the truth right now. Some of you single dudes, you're like, but, but I'm not dating anybody. That's because you don't speak the truth. You're ambiguous in your communication to girls, and they don't understand stuff when you text them and you say, hey, there's this day and during the week that is called Thursday, and, and on Thursday, sometimes people eat dinner, uh, and it's a meal, and um, sometimes at that dinner, they go to, they go to Applebee's, and, and sometimes girls show up there. She doesn't understand what the crap you just said. If you like her, ask her out. Speak the truth. But, but all the good girls are gone, TJ. Well, if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it, baby. That's all I got to say. The book of Beyonce is awesome. Some pastors use theologians. I use Beyonce. Let me speak the truth to you single ladies real quick, real quick. Like, listen, I know that there's a lot of single ladies out there that are, that are listening to, to Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe. You love that. Oh, Call Me Maybe. And you're going out there and you're pursuing guys. You're like, oh, man, like, here's my number. Maybe call me. <laughs> you know, or call me maybe. And, and let, let me just tell you something right now. Any guy that you got to go pursue is the wrong guy. Listen, if he ain't man enough to come and ask you out, he isn't man enough for you. That's the truth. And some of y'all need to stop playing these games with dudes and sit back and let them become a man. And when they become a man, they can come and ask you out. Until that time, be, be content being single because you don't want that dude anyways. He's a... We'll go on to the next thing. We're going to speak the truth, but we also 
We've got to settle the issue. We've got to settle the issue. In verse 26, Paul continues on. He says, be angry and do not sin. And, and, and this verse is so important. He says, be angry. And this is important, especially if you're married, because you know if you're married, you're going to get angry with your spouse sometime. It's inevitable that you're not going to never get mad. We had this idea when we first got married that we would never fight or yell at one another. That went out in about two weeks. And so uh, because the reality is, is, man, you're living with somebody different. They're going to make you upset. He says, be angry. Here's the key. And don't sin. Don't sin. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. He says, listen, there's going to be times that you're going to get angry in your relationship and it's going to be one of those moments where like you just want to strangle them, but that's not what you're supposed to do because that would be sinning at that point. Like you need to do something with that anger. You need to resolve it. You know, Shayla and I have been married for, for about 13 and a half years now. And um, the first couple of years of our marriage, we were horrible at this. But over the last nine years, we've become so good at this right here, is, is, is not letting the sun go down on our anger. And, and I would say, like, I would love to be able to say it's a lot because of me, but it's a little because of me and it's a lot because of her. Because there's times that we get upset at one another and we're angry with one another and, and, and Shayla is adamant. Like, we're not, we're not going to sleep yet until we resolve this thing. And I'll be like, well, I don't, I'm, I'm fine. You know, that's, that's a normal guy response. I'm good now, but she's not good. And so, so we might stay up till two or three in the morning resolving some of that anger. We, we might not have it all resolved, but the anger at this point where we're ready to sin is gone. And we might have some things that we need to discuss some more in the morning. But we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we don't go to sleep with that anger and that bitterness in our heart. Because what we do when we do that is we allow the devil to get a foothold in our life. And when the devil takes a foothold, man, he climbs all over your marriage. And a lot of us think it's the big things that destroy our marriage, but the reality is, is it's the little things that we ignore that become big things that destroy our relationships. It's the little things. And so, you know, a couple of months ago, I was having one of those days. Anybody ever have one of those days where it's like nothing goes right in life? Like if, if you're supposed to go north, you end up driving south. If you're, if you're supposed to go to, to Walmart, you end up at Target, which is probably a better thing. But I mean, you know, you... Like, it's just like nothing is going as planned. And I was having one of those days, and it was like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. And, and I was just so, so frustrated. And I was on my way home, and I came home, and, and, I, and I was like, man, I'm done for the day. Like, I don't, if anything else happens, I'm just going to murder somebody, and I'm going to take them out to the Everglades, and I'm going to bury them, and nobody's ever going to know. Like, one more thing. And so I come home, and, and, and I'm just, I just want to, I just want to veg. You know, like, don't talk to me. I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to put on something on TV, and I'm going to become Homer Simpson, and, and drool's just going to come down. That's all I want to do at this point. And uh, I come home, and I, I grab um, uh, a pair of mesh shorts, and I go. We, in our house, we're, we're awesome at doing laundry. We're not awesome at putting it away. So in our corner, it's our dirty little secret. Uh, all of our clean laundry is in a pile in our corner of our house. And, uh, and so if you want something, you got to go to that pile and get it and iron it and to be respectable for other people. And so uh, I go and I grab some shorts and uh, I'm going over to, to grab a, a white t-shirt because I just want to veg. And I walk over and uh, I look down at the laundry and Shayla had just done some laundry. And every single white garment that we have is pink. Every t-shirt. 
Like, I'm all about pink. I, like, I'm, I'm a man. I can wear pink. But, like, every T-shirt, every wife beater, every pair of underwear that I owned is now pink. <laughs> and I look down at it, and I think, Shayla never liked any of my white clothes. She just wanted to get me. The devil came right into my mind and said, you better go take away her car right now. Get her back. She's never going to drive another day in her life. She's always been jealous of your white underwear. I was mad, man. I had to put on some white underwear and a white V-neck T-shirt and that was now pink. And I remember walking out there and, you know, I, I sat down. I wasn't Homer Simpson anymore. And, uh, and I was like, man, we need to resolve. I was like, man, I need to resolve this. And I said, Shayla, what happened to our laundry? Like, what, what went down? Like, why, why, is, why are, is everything that I own pink now? She goes, TJ, I'm so sorry. I, actually, I got a new shirt, and it was somehow in the white hamper. And uh, when I threw it in there, I didn't see it go in, and, and it turned everything pink. I'm really, really sorry. I'm like, you better be sorry. No, I'm just. <laughs> and we, we resolved it. It, it. it wasn't that big a deal. We went to Walmart and we got some more shirts and it was good, you know. And, but if we would have allowed that small thing to fester, man, it could have turned into an enormous fight that we would have had. Because we have got to settle the issue when it comes up. Ladies, let me just tell you something. The silent treatment that was really cool in kindergarten. It's not cool when you're married. And it's really easy for you to shut down and just give us the cold shoulder. Instead of doing that, we need to settle the issue. Because God never gives us the cold shoulder. God never shuts down to us when we mess up. His ears are always wide open and he's always willing to speak the truth. And we need to do the same thing for our spouse. And so we need to speak the truth. We need to settle the issue. And, and we need to do it because Paul says in verse 29, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. See, the apostle Paul knew exactly what he was talking about when he wrote this verse because he knew there was gonna be married people and married people know how to tick the other person off in the middle of an argument. I know exactly what to say to my wife in order to set her off her deep end in an argument. We can be arguing about anything and I start talking about her and her family and it is done. Like, I am, like I'm gonna be murdered because I know what presses her buttons and she knows exactly how to press my button. And Paul says, listen, we gotta, we gotta know what those things are, that corrupting talk, and we gotta put that aside. And guys, we gotta understand this, and this is what I've learned in 13 years is that a lot of times the, the conversations that we're having about settling the issue it doesn't really matter what's said. All that matters is how we say it. Because what I've found is we'll be in a conversation and, and, and Shayla will say something to me and my voice, like just naturally, because I'm a little bit more excited, goes up a couple of pitches and, uh, and automatically she's like, why are you yelling at me? And I'll be like, I'm not yelling at you, you know? And, and all of a sudden there's this argument that's breaking out because I'm not realized what's happening. And, and what I realize is that Guys, our wives get to set that barometer of what's yelling and what's not in our life. Because if it's up to us, man, we'll go off the deep end and we'll be like, we're fine, but she's not. 
And so we need to know that we have got to speak the truth. We've got to communicate those things, and we've got to settle the issue that's out there. And that might mean you biting your tongue at times because there's things that you could say, but all they're going to do instead of settling the issue is they're just going to instigate another one. We need to keep that stuff to ourselves because it's not helping the situation. And we address that a little bit later in our lives. And so you and I, we've got to speak the truth. And we've got to settle the issue. And the see there is we've got to speak through our actions. In the beginning of our marriage, things were pretty good. Uh, we were kind of one of those couples that I was in love with Rhonda anyhow. And I knew she was the girl for me uh, from basically the moment I laid eyes on her. Seven or eight years into our marriage, things started to really deteriorate pretty rapidly. I really got involved in, in drugs and drinking. I was kind of in and out of church, and I, I, I would play the game of church, but yet when I left church, it was back to doing my dirt. And my life just kind of spiraled out of control. We were separated one time for three or four months. I guess he was gone. And uh, during that time, I was like with the kids, I don't know if I want him to come back. A lot of times I would think, why am I going through this? I mean, I tried to be the best person I could be. And sometimes I felt like, you know, what did I do? You know, what, you know, how can I live this way? You know, it was like very hard. I always made sure that the kids were provided for, okay? And I would do whatever else I had to do to make sure that all, I had enough money for my drinking and drugging and, and, prostitution and all the rest of it that that went in into it and uh, at one point I'd even I'd even uh, I'd even ask one of the guys I was buying drugs from to I asked him to kill me I just felt like I would I had to stay with him no matter what and I prayed for him every single day And people have asked me, you know, did, did God uh, miraculously free you from uh, drugs and drinking and using bad language and chasing women? And it's like, you know, I don't, I can't say that it was like this instantaneously, like being healed from drugs and drinking and all that. It's just that when I finally got serious with God, okay, and made a real serious commitment that I am gonna run after God, with everything I got, all the rest of that just kind of just didn't matter anymore. God came into my life and, and totally changed my life. Some days were harder than others, but if you stay together and work through those things, it's better than I think it would have been if we would have just kind of gone steadily along down the stream. I'm so grateful that, that God redeemed me and God uh, 
pursued me and kept after me. But to me, the real story is, because, and I look at Rhonda, for 25 years, I was absent for 25 years as far as taking care of the home, taking care of the kids, taking care of me. So when people ask you, like, who's your hero? Rhonda. I mean, what kind of a faith stands by somebody when they have just checked out of their marriage, their life for 25 years? Stands beside them, prays for them, sleeps beside them, night after night praying for them, or at least the nights that they decide to come home. And for 25 years, never, ever gave up on me, said an unkind word to me, but prayed for me. Some of the greatest words that we can ever speak come through how we live. And a lot of times we want to tell everybody how they need to change when the reality is, is if we would just do it, it would change them. One of the greatest things that you could do in your relationship today instead of keep on saying it over and over and over again is start living it with your life. The change that you want to see because Rhonda never gave up. But the key to all that is you and I, we've got to submit to Jesus. We've got to submit to Jesus. That's why Paul says in verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, Jesus came and he died for us so that we could have this life. He, he, he lived it out with his actions. He didn't just say, I love you with words, but he said he loved you with his life. When he died, he said, man, I'm not going to leave you by yourself to do this life on your own, but I'm going to send somebody as a helper, the Holy Spirit. And his job is going to become to help you rid yourself of the things that keep you from healthy relationships. And so what this verse is saying is, is saying, listen, 
in some of your lives right now, there's something that's going on, there's some sort of issue, and what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to continue to press into that area. He's going to continue to press into that area. He's going to continue to press into that area, and he's going to continue to press into that area until you address it in your life. And you and I will never be able to submit and give our lives to another person whose love is conditional until we understand unconditional. And the only way we're going to un understand unconditional is if we experience unconditional love. And that comes only through Jesus. And today, maybe some of you guys, you've been here for a little while and you've been checking Jesus out. And I'm going to tell you something, Jesus is here and he's been knocking at your door. And just like with Kevin, until he gave his life to Jesus, nothing changed in his life. He could try every other opportunity to try to make it different, to try to feel different, but none of that mattered until he tried and gave his life to Jesus and said, I'm going to do this full on. And today Jesus is saying, why don't you come do it full on? Why don't you come experience life in the fullest Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.